Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In this edition of Hoosology, Justin and Matt welcome co-hosts of the Spencer's Podcast, Jordan Liggins. We get Jordan's perspective on the past NBA trade deadline, why the NCAA should be held accountable for the treatment of women's basketball players, the return of the WNBA, the NBA MVP race, and more. And now, Jordan Liggins. She is the co-host of the Spinsters podcast. We now welcome Jordan Liggins onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Jordan? Going great. Happy to be here. So, Jordan, I am a huge fan of your podcast, and I kind of pop up on my radar via Twitter, and you have a very interesting approach to just your podcast covering the NBA, but also going in-depth with certain topics. And since the trade deadline has just come and passed, um, I just want to get your general thoughts. I was talking to Matt the other day. The trade deadline is like my least part of the NBA schedule. That's fine. It's kind of boring. Um, Did you find anything exciting at all that went down? I'm a Bulls fan, so um, Vucevic going to Chicago was pretty cool. But other than that, I was just kind of shrugging my shoulders. Did you see anything that excited you at all? Not really. And okay. uh, as you will hear on the latest Spencer's episode, trades are my least favorite thing. I don't really care about <laughs> how everything works out. Um, I also mentioned that it reminds me that it's a business, that it's not just people playing the sport that they love on, you know, a court. Uh, it's there's owners and there's money involved. And it's just like this yearly reminder that it's like, Ooh, it doesn't make me feel great. Um, I think the Victor Oladipo trade uh, to Miami was really interesting. Um, Houston is, it's a tough place to be right now. And uh, that was, that was my biggest overall take. And I was also sad, you know, I'm a Lakers fan. So I was hoping we could get Drummond, or LaMarcus Aldridge, because we desperately need some help in this very moment. Um, But none of those things happened. Therefore, I did not care too much. So you mentioned the Lakers and, you know, as we we all know, they're the defending champions. This this season's been unlike any other. What has it been for you just covering this season i know some podcasts and i know yours delved into how the nba time of covid and i've noticed mm-hmm. even some podcasts have just been even really upset of the league in terms of how they handled just the, the safety protocols and everything going on so overall how have you felt just um with you being a lakers fan them you know being the defending champions at the same time this is the weirdest season in nba history so um how what's has it been like for you discovering and watching the league it you you said it perfectly. It is the weirdest season. It's the weirdest time. And as a fan, it's it's weird because you want to root for it. You miss basketball, um, you know, just as as a fan, as a lover of the game. But at the same time, you once you really think about it and draw back the curtain, you're saying, Okay, these players are putting themselves in harm way for my entertainment. And that doesn't always sit well with me. Um, And especially, you know, I think about March Madness and how this is my favorite time of the year, usually. And now it 
it just doesn't make me feel great knowing that these kids and and us not knowing what the long-term effects are of COVID um, really putting it all out there um, for something that, you know, we don't really know all the ends of out and ins and outs of yet. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard because as a fan, you're rooting for it. You know, I love watching basketball. I love the X's and, X's and O's, breaking it down, talking about it. But at the same time, you think of the players um, as people and that COVID, you know, doesn't care if you're an NBA player or someone just walking down the street. It, it is serious. So I, I was hoping that the NBA would take it a little more seriously than I feel like they have. Um, especially, you know, on Spencer's, we talked about All-Star Weekend, which totally did not need to happen and things like that, that we could have just skipped out on. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, moving forward and, and going into the summer and the end of the season, we can continue to learn from what COVID has taught us so far. Jordan, just to follow up on that, given all those concerns and everything, um, but also that you know, the NBA, as any business, wants wants to make revenue, not miss out on that, et cetera, especially yeah. given the challenges of the end of last season in the bubble. What grade would you give so far if, if you had to ballpark it for Adam Silver and the job he's done as a commissioner? I mean, I, I definitely agree with a lot of those concerns. Uh, but in, in many ways, I mean, especially in the bubble, the NBA led the way in terms of testing and things like that. How do you feel they've done making the transition from the bubble into going back to uh, home arenas? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I always used to play teacher when I was younger. So giving out grades was always something I wanted to do. Um, I would probably give him a C. And that is probably coming off of, you know, the bubble worked like the bubble did well. And I think if you take out the money part of it, which I know it's hard to do, but if you say, okay, we feel like this was the safest thing to do and there were no positive tests and it worked. Is this something that we can try to emulate? Um, is this something that we can, you know, really learn from? Like it worked. So it's hard for me to say like, Yes, go Adam Silver. You did it. The bubble was awesome. It was, you know, still entertaining. Um, but then, okay, let's take that back. And now we're allowing arenas back to capacity uh, almost. It's it's hard. So I'm giving a C because it's it's in the middle. It's kind of average for me. Jordan, I want to ask you about you. Just you mentioned March Madness was your favorite time of year, mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of controversy just with the, the women's tournament in terms of their facilities. And, and Matt and I have had we were discussing it last week, and just such a massive error in I, I think in terms of the women's weight room, I found it pretty ridiculous. Just in terms of any excuse, any way you try to play the angle in terms of excusing what happened makes zero sense to me, um, mm -hmm. especially the nature of how popular the tournament is. Do you think by the, the national spotlight in terms of, hey, this was just a, a massive mistake that, that the um, NCAA did to the women's tournament and also the rise of just the WNBA in the bubble in terms of the popularity I think it gained um, through those, those months that um, they were in there, 
do you think we'll see a shift in terms of women's sports just being taken more seriously, especially women's basketball and these type of issues maybe not happening again? Or do you think it's just a pipe dream? God, I hope so. I hope that this is the thing that, you know, puts people on notice that these things have been happening. The first thing that I said when, you know, seeing everything about the women's uh, NCAA tournament weight room and their facilities in comparison to the men, I said, this is deja vu of the WNBA bubble. Like we just went through this last year. And so still, even though that happened on a professional level, that didn't change what the NCAA did with their bubble and completely purposely not putting money behind the women. And it it's it's sad that I wasn't surprised, but I want it to be better, especially as a basketball fan, as someone who played women's basketball. Like there is a level of talent that is on the court. It shouldn't be um looked down upon or that it's less than um it's the same sport (laughs) that's what I always go back to say it is the exact same sport why is it such a big difference and one of the WNBA players uh Brianna Turner she tweeted about the NCAA that for the men it was we're happy to have you here and for the women it's you should be happy to be here and that is a total different tone and that needs to change. And it it shouldn't take Twitter and Oregon basketball players to say like, hey, look how bad this is and kind of making a joke out of it for NBA players, WNBA players, women from other sport to take notice. It should say to the NCAA organization that we need to take more pride in women's basketball. They did just as much as the men to get here. This has been just a shitty year for them as it was for the men. Like, why would we try to do something different? And and we're going to pour millions of dollars into this and like $30 into a 30-pound weight rack. <laughs> like, it's not even close. Um, and I remember I was talking to my parents about it and my dad made a great point. He's like, how does something like this even happen after Title IX? Like, how, how is that even a thought? How does that even get approved? So to me, it, it has to start from higher up and it has to start from the top for them to start respecting women's basketball. And then it will trickle down because it will show. Um, the men's court says March Madness on it. The women's court says women's basketball on it. Like, it's just, a, it, it's a difference. And it's March Madness no matter the way you look at it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it starts from the top and, you know, with the WNBA, they did that. They had a commissioner last year and I think it made a huge difference. Um, and I, I think with the bubble and the orange hoodie movement and everyone taking notice, because at one point the WNBA was the only sport on, it was the first one back from the bubble. Um, I think people are going to take more notice, but again, it has to start from the top down. And with the WNBA, you know, Matt and I have had this debate. I remember uh, Matt and I with the summer league a couple of years ago, and we were talking about the WNBA in terms of what does it need to do in terms of coverage? And I mentioned that really ESPN has been a lousy television partner up until Mm -hmm. the pandemic. 
it, it, things seem, seem to shift. We finally got to know about the players. There seemed to be more serious coverage about this league. And it seemed to be on par with the NBA finally. Do you see that sticking around this season? Or do you think things would go back to normal? This is the anniversary season. Um, the WNBA, has, it seems like it's totally rebranded itself in terms of a new logo um, mm-hmm. and just some other things that they're doing. Do you see any type of a difference in terms of the actual coverage that fans will see in the upcoming season? I do. I do. And I think it was beautifully done to kind of rebrand, um, to really hop on the momentum from last season. And they're really riding that wave into this season. Uh, I think, you know, I agree with you. ESPN, a lot of the games are on ESPN2, um, ESPN News. They would get cut off if something else, if there was breaking news, it would take away from the game. I agree. ESPN could definitely be a better partner. But just as we saw last season, more television partners picked up WNBA games. Um, Twitter, the games were, you know, streamed on Twitter live. So I think that last season was amazing, even though it was a bubble. It was 2020. It was a weird season. It started weird. It ended weird. But Riding that wave of coverage and, you know, people talking about the WNBA, I think that's just a win. For WNBA fans, if you guys are even talking about it, that's great. So let's keep that going. And then also with the anniversary season, I think they're going to come out with great coverage. And there's just, you know, the women are, are take, aren't laying down. They're not taking no for an answer. They're going to be loud about, you know, if the coverage is not equal. If, if this is a huge 25 years of the WNBA when people thought it wasn't even going to last five years, like this is a huge year and a huge milestone. So I think the players want to celebrate that and the league wants to celebrate that. And hopefully TV partners and, you know, social media can, can come on board. Jordan, do you get the sense, uh, you know, I one thing that all businesses, whether we're talking about the NCAA, which is running their sports like a business, uh, mm-hmm. or whether we're talking about ESPN coverage, et cetera, nobody likes bad press. And as you mentioned, the women athletes are, are being very vocal and a lot of the male athletes in, in support of them. Uh, I've, I've seen some unity there, uh, which is good to see. If I asked you to give me a grade earlier, now I'll ask for your projection for the 30-year mark. Do you see, uh, you know, added revenue into marketing for the WNBA, for women's college sports, college basketball specifically? Do you think we'll still be on kind of that upward trajectory that, you know, started this this last, well, really the last like two years, I believe, since 2018, Mm -hmm. it's been on an upward trajectory. Do you think we'll see that continue into year 30? Yes. And I, I really hope so. That's me as a fan saying like, please, I want to see more teams. I want to see more um, expansion. And especially when you watch the women's college game, you know, if you watch this tournament right now, there are some really good players. And I think it breaks my heart that a lot of them aren't going to make it to the WNBA because there's only 144 spots. Like it's so limited. So I hope that the next wave after kind of this marketing push is expansion and bringing more teams to, to big cities that want them. Like they want, you know, WNBA teams. If you see, you know, a, a UConn game, it is sold out 
for their women's program. You know, like other cities and and big cities really, really want those teams and that expansion. So I would hope that by year 30, we're looking at more teams and more opportunity for these college players and not having them to be forced to go play overseas. Like I would just really want America to be that spot for women's basketball because I really feel like we have the best players in the world and they should be able to stay home to play and not have to play all year round. Um, Now they're is money involved in that. And there is a huge pay gap that is just ridiculous. Like not even wanting to go into that, but you know, you have players like Brianna Stewart saying, we're not asking to be paid like LeBron James. That is not what we're asking. We just want it to be equal. And honestly, reading between the lines, it's, I want it so that I don't have to play all year round. That's what that's how I think of it. Right now, the WNBA is a side job for these players. It is a, a side hustle, and we want I would want it to be their main job so people can pour into their time, their team, and not come late to the WNBA season because they're playing overseas. And it makes sense because that's where their money is coming from. Um, so that's my goal. That's my hope as a fan, as a former player, as a person that covers it. I want it to keep growing. And um, for women's college basketball, you know, I will be the first to say I hate the NCAA. I think that it is just terrible. And I would hope that, you know, this image name and likeness that is going to pass, that that will help boost women's basketball players and give them more of a platform um and that's that's really all i can hope for for the ncaa the bar is real low (laughs) jordan i agree with everything you just said um and to that point of the name and likeness i think with the women's game at least i've seen is really the social media buzz that you would see for zion that crossing over to the women's game with Paige buckers like Mm -hmm. i i I was tracking her when she was in high school same thing with sabrina and like that Mm -hmm. seems to be a a new thing that has really transformed the popularity of the women's game previously you would usually see them you know rise usually being picked up by uconn or tennessee or a traditional women's college basketball power but now with social media we're starting to see them become huge stars on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think social media is going to kind of change the game for these players um, in terms of their star quality? Because now we're actually seeing, like, I think for the first time, real, like, star prospects, even before these players hit college. And I could present yeah. a bunch of problems, too, because they're kids. So, I mean, there's a lot of exposure at a young mm-hmm. age. So how do you think that's going to really affect the, the women's college game moving forward? Yeah, that's so interesting. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking of all of the press and everything that Sabrina Inescu got around the same time that Zion got. And she goes into the WNBA and makes like maybe $90,000 and Zion goes and makes millions of dollars. So just that right there, I want her to be able to start making money as soon as possible. You know, With the NBA players, a lot of them who would be on that level would be one and done. So it's like you are one year away to making millions and millions of dollars on everything endorsements. But for these women's basketball players, I want them to start making money 
ASAP because they are not going to make a lot of money on that next level. Now, if you go play overseas, yes, of course. Or Sabrina Inescu, you know, she got signed by Nike and she's an exception. But for players that are the top of their program and, you know, being used for their image names and likeness, I want them to get paid immediately. Um, but going on to social media, it's really interesting because I have loved seeing um, these players in high school and women dunking and going viral and, you know, doing these crossovers and, and Bleacher Report posting it and Sports Center posting it. It has to be more of that. Like we, it, it's unfortunate that we really have to lean on those, you know, huge media companies to when they're doing their social planning to say, okay, where are female basketball players? Like, how can we integrate them into this? And I think the the content has always been there. There's always been great players and it's been caught on film. Now, whether we get the bleacher reports, the overtime, the slam to post them, that is a whole nother story. Um, and I also realize, you know, my Instagram feed and my Twitter feed is very different from someone who does not follow all of these women focused accounts. So how do we kind of not make it so separate and integrate, you know, the the highlights and the lowlights, like a little bit of everything just to make it more normal. So it's not just, oh, there's this woman playing basketball. I forgot that women can do that. <laughs> like, let's just make it more normal. So it's just a part of our feed regardless. Jordan, um, I want to ask you, have you heard of NBA Top Shot? Um, has that been on your radar at all? I've heard of it, but that's that's about as far as I've gone. <laughs> okay, I, I just I just asked because um, it, like three weeks ago I never even heard of it, and now I've I'm on the website trying to like get a pack and just get into it. Oh um, no! I, I I I guess the reason I asked is because they are working on a WNBA Top Shot, and yes. I guess the um I, and I don't know if the their players association are involved in getting a cut of that and it seems with the NBA at least there's big money flowing and I see the potential for the WNBA to perhaps get a cut of that immediately just in terms of how basketball in general it's such a highlight driven game in terms of you're a basketball nerd you love the assists defensive plays I mean everything that comes around it um I mm -hmm. guess my my question is since you don't know too much about it, I guess, and I guess I'll incorporate this with the WNBA being incorporated with the NBA 2K video game as well. Mm. Um, new sources of revenue being pumped in for these players. Do you see that being somewhat of a kind of game changer as well for these players to stay within this country and not go overseas um, and look for that outside source of revenue. If it's, you know, if the WNBA are getting these other outside um, sources to kind of um, increase the play, the pay of these players for say. Yes. Yes. I think it's opportunities, right? Like when you look at an NBA player, I feel like they have a plethora of opportunities of sponsorships and, you know, other type of revenue to come in where, playing in another league wouldn't even cross their mind. So that's what I would want the women's game to get to. And it's, it's exciting. I, I saw, you know, Chanae 
who is on the Sparks. She works for ESPN, but she was on a DoorDash commercial. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is a women's basketball player, you know, purposely in her uniform uh, advertising this. And so it's it seems like there's a want more. Um, and I just think about it, too, you know, from representation I think that that's what's so empowering about the video game because there are little girls that are playing that video game and now they get to play with women and being able to watch them on TV and then play them in a video game. And even if it's Top Shot, you know, that there are young girls that are doing those things and now they can do those things with the players that they idolize in the WNBA and not, you know, having to pivot and say, well, yes, I'm, I'm a women's basketball player. I love the WNBA, but I can only participate in NBA things because there's not even an opportunity for my favorite player to be in this. Um, So I think that's kind of bigger picture what I'm mostly excited about, but also, yes, pay them all the money, give them all every opportunity that you can give them all the money because they deserve it. Uh, follow up to that. I mean, we know that the NBA is subsidizing the WNBA. So just just kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit more. Do you think a function of that? And also because I do think like if you know going in that as the first pick of the draft, you're going to make 500K that first year, let's say that that definitely incentivizes more and more high school and younger girls to aspire to that. And like you said, I mean, it, it's never going to sit right with me that Diana Taurasi had to go play in Russia, uh, you know, so, and many other WNBA players as well overseas, like you said. Um, But do you think that it it should be, it's, it's a function of, we just need more time because the WNBA in relation to the NBA and other sports leagues that are making more revenue than them, do you think it's a a function of they just need more time to catch up? Or Mm -hmm. do you think that, and maybe it's a both answer, but do you think that the NBA should be contributing more to those salaries to uh, make them more more even or come up with more of a solution to this problem? Yeah, um, I love the point about more time. Nobody says that. No one really thinks about like where was the NBA at twenty five years? Yeah, losing so revenue because the Celtics were winning every single championship. It was boring. Nobody cared. And they had to, they expanded, they made changes, they had to shift. And so every single time that conversation comes up of, well, the w- nobody watches the WNBA or who cares? It's like, okay, we're still in infancy as a league. If you really think about it compared to the other major leagues that are out there, and especially compared to the NBA, who's been around for way longer. So there's no comparison there. Um, But I do think that the NBA should be more involved. And I think it's like what you said, Justin, about creating more of those opportunities, because without those opportunities, they can't just, you know, poof from thin air, just say, hey, we want more money. I think the WNBA players don't need to prove that they deserve more. It's there. Proof is in the pudding. They're playing well. They are amazing players. They are professionals. They're at the top of their game. So I think that 
the NBA needs to recognize what they have right there and that this is a league that is young. And if we partner rather than kind of go against each other, sometimes it feels like if we, you know, adopt them or partner with them, then we can grow together. Um, I, I would love to see that. Then there's also a side of me that's like, we could do it on our own. We don't need you, NBA. But money-wise, yeah, we, we kind of do. They, they have all the money. <laughs> um, Jordan, shifting gears just to the NBA and the rest of the season, what do you make of the play-in tournament? And since, again, I'll bring up to your Lakers fan, <clears throat> they've been going through some hard times with you know LeBron being hurt, Anthony Davis being on the shelf. But yet at the same time with the 76ers, you know, we've seen Embiid be hurt as well. Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I think Kyrie, he's been out. I mean, Duran has been hurt. I mean, we don't, I don't think there's been really any consistency in terms of a clear favorite to win the title. Um, when we hit the playoffs, what do you think is going to happen? Do you have any predictions or is it kind of unpredictable at this point? <clears throat> Excuse me. It is a little unpredictable, but I do want to say I love the play in tournament. And going back to the WNBA, they took that from them. The yeah. WNBA have a play-in <laughs> tournament already since 2016. So I that's my favorite part of the WNBA playoffs. Now it's in the NBA. It was so fun last year. And I also had the realization that I feel like Memphis is just the perfect play-in tournament team. Like they need to stay at that level all the time. <laughs> They're probably not happy about being on the edge, but it's so fun. Like I can't wait to see Ja in that situation again. Um, for the playoffs, though, I think Brooklyn is just saving their big guns to when it matters. I mean, they're like, okay, Harden, you do the regular season. We got you in the playoffs. Like, don't worry. It'll all work out. I feel like that's their game plan. It's not really a secret. Um, for the Lakers, I want to say that's our game plan. <laughs> I don't think that's on purpose, though. <laughs> We're looking a little shaky right now. Um, I call Anthony Davis uh, the glass man. I think that he is completely made of glass, so I'm okay with him being on the bench because every time he falls, it is this whole dramatic scene that I don't even know if he's going to come up, and it turns out he just broke a nail or something, and he's out for a week. So I'm okay with him being on the bench. LeBron, on the other hand, I'm like, all right, just stay there until we need you. We'll call you. We'll call a bat signal or something when we need you to play. But we really need our bench players to step up. And I know there was a lot of um, talks with us bringing in Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline for THT and Caldwell Pope. And I hope that didn't cause any friction in the locker room. Again, hate the trade deadline. But it's a little unpredictable with the rest of the league. I'm happy that the East is competitive this year, that it's actually fun. Everyone's kind of in the middle doing, trying their best. So the playoffs are going to be interesting and it's not going to be boring. And I feel like, um, you know, the last couple of years it was like, okay, the Bucks are going to win. And then it was this upset. Now I, I think it's a question mark. I don't know if anyone is for sure, for certain. Jordan, I have to ask, as as a Lakers fan uh, that you mentioned, you are any concerns about Rondo coming up with the Clippers? Any any worries about playoff Rondo, or that 
he's bringing the kryptonite, <laughs> anything like that. Oh, gosh. You just reminded me about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Well, everyone knows I hate the Clippers. But I do like Rondo, so that is going to be um, a little, little bit of a – Yeah, a little bittersweet. Um, I'm not worried about playoff Rondo because I think we can anticipate that. We know that that's coming. And I think that's all they got. I was more – I'm more fearful of playoff Lou Will um then playoff rondo and so now that that's gone then maybe maybe we have more of a chance i don't i'm not worried about those clippers you know paul george is casper the friendly ghost when it comes to playoffs so you know i'm i'm not too worried about Kawhi. on the other (laughs) hand maybe but i'm not worried about paul george i think you're in the right there i i would agree if i'm a lakers (laughs) fan yeah i'm not too worried about them if lebron comes back anyway yeah yeah Jordan, um, one last question, and we'll let you go. Um, since when LeBron got hurt, it seems like everybody wrote him off for MVP. Um, just separating your feelings aside for the Lakers and LeBron, um, do you see anybody else being in contention um, for that for that title? I, we were talking about Damian Lillard. It seems like he kind of gets dismissed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Embiid's been hurt, so it kind of it's hard to really gauge on him. You know, um, Greek Freak's always in the mix. Do you see anybody else um, rising, or do you think once LeBron comes back, it's kind of his, you know, um, I guess MVP title to lose once he returns? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I I think even with Lamelo, they were like, "Oh, he got hurt. Can't be rookie of the year anymore." Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if we should do that. It's like, okay, we have to take it in context and the whole season. You know, it might have a little asterisk like he was gone, but if he still wins those awards while he was gone, that just means he had a hell of a season. So I am not the person to say oh, they got injured, let's completely write them off. Because if they were playing MVP level or rookie of the year level before that, I think we still have to consider that, you know, for the end of the season awards. So just wanted to make that point. Um, I think that we should not write off Dame. And it pains me to say this, and this is a little out of character, but James Harden is playing out of his mind right yes, now. Yes, that's true. And it's really not fair. And I, this is so unlike me. But it's, you have to at least talk about it. I think people don't even want to even put him in the top three. I think I saw the MVP race on SportsCenter the other night. And it just said, Jokic, LeBron, maybe he's injured. Embiid, maybe he's injured. And it was like, no one else. And I was like, okay, there's... There's a few other people that are playing really well. Like you mentioned, Dame, Harden has just taken on this whole new team on his shoulders. He's also happy, which I think we should include as a category for (laughs) MVP. He got rid of the toxic relationship that was Houston, and now he's thriving. And it's only going to get better in the playoffs, like I said, because he's going to have two other you know, all-star guards just at his side, which is ridiculous. Um, But Jokic, I mean, he's also playing really well. You can't dismiss it. He has played well the past couple seasons, and I think he's he's made strides. Um, So I would say we have to consider him too. 
I'm out on Giannis. You should not, you're not going to win it three times in a row. Like, no, it's not. You're just good at basketball. We're not going to keep giving you the MVP award. That's, that's how I feel. (laughs) I guess with, with the Joker, I'm just, I like his game a lot. I, I guess what bugs me is that, you know, with the Nuggets and with the Blazers, they have similar records and mm-hmm. Joker is like, you know, odds on favorite and Damian Lillard's just fade into obscurity, even though he's putting on highlight worthy performances every single night. So I, it's just kind of, it even bugs me to bring his name up. It's weird. Cause I like his game. I like the Nuggets. Uh, I think yeah. they're fun to watch in the bubble, but it's just annoying how the, the MVP race is going. So hopefully, you know, Dame gets a little bit more love um, when it comes down to it, even though I don't think he'll win. Yeah, um, he will. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, whoever wins the MVP this year, it's going to be the strangest narrative that, that we've ever had, right? Because it's true. like if, if Jokic wins, it's like here they were, you know, preparing to explode this season and maybe like lead the West. No nope, big disappointment. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard, it's like, oh, injury. LeBron, amazing at 36. Oh, injury. Joel Embiid, same thing. Injury. Um, Harden, true. the way the season started. That, that's a tough narrative to start right. the season off with. It was so weird. It's, it's going to yeah. be weird no matter who wins it. Excellent point. It's true. Yeah, and I love how we're not talking about <laughs> the top two teams in the West and how right. they should be. <laughs> that's Someone true. from their team should be in the MVP. <laughs> it's like Donovan uh, <laughs> Yeah, Rudy Gobert. No, nope. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. And it's like Chris Paul, uh, he's ancient, maybe. <laughs> so it's, I love that that's not even a part of the conversation because it's like great, but we know you're not really going to win the West. <laughs> Like it's fun for right now, but so that's how I feel with with the records because it really should be the most valuable player. Like that's what I'm all about. If you take that away from it, if you take them away from that team, are they still the same team? Are they still in that same position at all? So I hope that all of those factors, uh, you know, get factored in. But yeah, I just had to point that out because that's hilarious. So maybe Steph Curry can dark horse this because he's still yeah. has the narrative. Right. And everyone That's likes true. him. It's true. Everyone loves Steph. Let's just give it to him. Right. Just default it. Default it to yeah. him. Right. Jordan, uh, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media, um, where they can find your podcast and anything else you're working on to share. Yes. So you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jordan Liggins or on Instagram at Jordan Liggins. And make sure to subscribe to Spencer's. It is a basketball podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Me and my co-host Haley O'Shaughnessy take a different twist or a spin on the NBA, if you will. Um, It's super fun. We have a mix of conversational and narrative podcasts where we just explore our curiosities about the game. And you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome, Jordan. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.